Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Hello, everyone. It's CW. Thank you for checking out the Top Docs Radio Show. On this week's episode, we continued our biweekly series with Medical Association of Georgia. MAG President and CEO Donald Pomisano Jr. joined me in the studio, and we hosted Jeff Fusel. He's the newly appointed president for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Georgia, moving over from Anthem in November of 2015. It was interesting to learn what Jeff's priorities are for this, his first full year in his new lead role with Georgia's oldest and largest health insurance provider. We talked about the company's goals of reducing costs to the patient, as well as making access to care and ease of navigating health plans easier for the patients they serve. And here's Jeff talking about stepping into the top spot with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Georgia and laying out what the top areas of focus are for the near term. Check it out. It's been certainly a dynamic environment. I think healthcare is always dynamic, but it's been particularly dynamic in the last several years with uh, some of the legislation and changes that are going on in the industry. But at the end of the day, the primary issue in healthcare never changes. Healthcare's too expensive and it's too complicated. And so if you can get through the the flavor of the month or the thing that happens, you know, as we go and focus on how do we make healthcare more affordable for people and how do we simplify the healthcare industry for everybody that participates in it, whether that's the patient, whether that's the provider working with the health insurance company, whatever it might be. You know, when I got here, the first thing I said to our team is everything we do, I want to be with the guys of making this better quality at a more affordable price point or making us easier to do business with. And so everything we're going to do is kind of guided around those premise things. Obviously there's things you have to do that are regulatory required and other, but my two primary focuses and affordability is first. You know, I think if you read some of the Milliman studies, they talk about an average family of four that uh, might incur $24,000 a year in healthcare expenses. Well, that average family of four today makes 52,000. That's an incredibly unaffordable situation that can't continue to get less affordable. And so we have to do everything we can working together to do that. So, so then the question becomes, so how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Right. And I really firmly believe that the days of payers and providers clashing and butting heads and really kind of having this adversarial relationship where the patient gets caught in the middle have to change. And then we have to start to align how we work together to take care of the member or the patient, the person, right, in a better, in a different way. And, and to make healthcare more affordable, the ideal would be to help people stay healthier in the first place, mm-hmm. right? To really help, you know, limit the expenses in healthcare for people on average and really allow us to focus on the people who need that care, the chronic or people who are in an episodic situation a little more deeply. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on the Top Docs Radio Show, continuing our partnership that we've been working with, Medical Association of Georgia. They've been joining us in the studio monthly, but now they're coming in every couple of weeks. So we're going to be doing a couple of episodes a month, sharing some great information with our colleagues around the state of Georgia in the healthcare community and beyond, hopefully educating both providers as well as patients that live in the state of Georgia to help them be better able to provide the care that they're trying to deliver, as well as being able to be uh, wise and educated consumers as well. So I'm real happy to have President and CEO of Medical Association of Georgia, Donald Pomisano Jr., joining me here in the studio. 
Thank you so much. And, and we enjoyed this continued relationship. It's been great having you. And I'm really pleased to be introducing our guest to Jeff Fusel. He's the new president for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Georgia, one of the, is the largest and the oldest health insurance provider in the state of Georgia. Recently stepped into the role of president for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Georgia back in November, I believe it was, coming across from Anthem. So thanks for taking some time, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you, CW. Really appreciate the opportunity to be here today. I'm sure you're fairly busy and you're... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in your role. And so just for folks who aren't familiar with your background, talk a little bit about what your story is before you got to where you are here with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Georgia. Yeah, I'll give you a little background on me. I um, went to college down in uh, Florida State. So I'm a Florida State Seminole by uh, by academic training and uh, graduated with a degree in finance and, and, and uh, also in accounting. Became a CPA right out of college and went to work for Ernst & Winnie at the time down in Tampa where we did almost exclusively healthcare work in the accounting profession. After about two years of accounting, I decided that I much more enjoyed the consulting side of the business and moved to the consulting side where I spent about 22 years doing healthcare consulting as a management consultant, uh, most recently with Pricewaterhouse, where I retired from there as a partner uh, back in 2010. Um, about that time, I had moved from here in Atlanta to Indianapolis and had, was asked by Anthem to join them in their corporate headquarters in Indianapolis, where I've been for the last five years. And then, uh, fortunately, within the last two months, I had the opportunity to move back to Georgia and take this opportunity as the as the president of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Georgia. And I'm sure as the Affordable Care Act has been going into implementation on a wider scale over the last couple of years, it's created a bunch of moving parts for the insurance providers. As you look forward into this coming year, what's your focus for right. 2016? With all the changes that have come about in the last two years, it just seems like things have accelerated in, in terms of the rate of, of change. So I'm sure there's it's kind of hard to figure out what are we going to focus on right now? It's been certainly a dynamic environment. Environment. I think healthcare is always dynamic, but it's been particularly dynamic in the last several years with uh, some of the legislation and changes that are going on in the industry. But at the end of the day, the primary issue in healthcare never changes. Healthcare's too expensive and it's too complicated. And so if you can get through the, the flavor of the month or the thing that happens, you know, as we go and focus on how do we make healthcare more affordable for people and how do we simplify the healthcare industry for everybody that participates in it, whether that's the patient, whether that's the provider working with the health insurance company, whatever it might be. You know, when I got here, the first thing I said to our team is everything we do, I want to be with the guise of making this better quality at a more affordable price point or making us easier to do business with. And so everything we're going to do is kind of guided around those premise things. Obviously there's things you have to do that are regulatory required and other, but my two primary focuses and affordability is first. You know, I think if you read some of the Milliman studies, they talk about an average family of four that uh, might incur $24,000 a year in healthcare expenses. Well, that average family of four today makes 52000 That's an incredibly unaffordable situation that can't continue to get less affordable. And so we have to do everything we can working together to do that. So, so then the question becomes, so how do you do that? Mm -hmm. Right. And I really firmly believe that the days of payers and providers clashing and butting heads and really kind of having this adversarial relationship where the patient gets caught in the middle have to change. And then we have to start to align how we work together to take care of the member of the patient, the person, right, in a better, in a different way. And, and to make healthcare more affordable, the ideal would be to help people stay healthier in the first place, mm -hmm. right? To really help, you know, limit the expenses in healthcare for people on average 
and really allow us to focus on the people who need that care, the chronic or people who are in an episodic situation a little more deeply. On the topic of being more healthy, are, are you seeing, I haven't yet seen it uh, talked about a whole, whole lot just yet, but I mean, are you seeing, how do you cor- incorporate that into, for example, being an insurance provider where I turn to get my care? Uh, I need to go be seen by a physician. Sure. But it would seem that there's some benefits if if I'm a I'm an insured individual and I do things like I try to lose weight or I try to manage my blood pressure or my diabetes. Are are there some trends emerging at all? I would assume there probably will be coming if they're not already that will help affect those costs that you're talking about if we stay more healthy that we can as a you know because I know one of the things of the ACA when it came in into being was to try to inspire me as a patient to be more involved in my care and the choices that I'm making both because it's not just physician delivering care uh, as efficiently as possible and and, and an insurance company uh, being good about helping me get that care covered. I, I have responsibilities too. So are, are there trends now emerging since there's more focus in the ACA, for example, on prevention and, and health that, that are going to be maybe changing how, how my insurance looks down the road? Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly right. I think certainly wellness is becoming a bigger and bigger part of the industry. You know, when you talk about wellness, we talk about smoking cessation programs or weight loss programs or other things to to be compliant. I think historically, um, there was no mechanism for the provider to really get compensated, right? To provide that kind of time. And they're so busy in their day-to-day practices that it's hard to do that. And so, you know, what happened for over time was the payers really kind of picked up on that with some wellness vendors and others to say, well, we, we have some skin in this game and we really want to help people get there. And we've designed some programs where people get rewards and things for losing weight or for quitting smoking, whether that's us doing it as a payer or the employers doing it on their side. Those programs are working. They're effective. They're hard to really measure sometimes. Mm. What we've concluded and what I'm focused on here in Georgia is when we as a payer reach out to somebody and say, do this, the response rate is not great. Right. Right. And that's true for any payer. But if we can work through the providers that we're really partnering with and say, you need to reach out or we can reach out through the provider so it's not much extra work on their part, they are the ones who are really reaching out. It would seem that with the rise of the wearable fitness devices and things like that, that would feed information into both my physician as well as my uh, insurance carrier, that that will probably help facilitate a little bit more focus and a little bit more, I guess, some of that compliance that you're talking about uh, around that. that. That's exactly right. And let me be clear when I say, you know, providers, I've, I, I sometimes use that term broadly to talk about physicians and hospitals, but you know, more specifically to the physicians, when we are communicating with them now, we are working with them to say, these visits need to be scheduled. This person has this condition. They haven't had their blood work done in six months. We're going to go ahead and schedule an appointment for you, right? Or we communicate with the, with the organization through their physician to say your physician's concerned. What, what happens then is the person is, and we don't have great data on this yet because we're early, but the person is four times as likely to be compliant with that request when they believe it's coming from their physician. Right. And then the physician, in this case, we used to pay wellness vendors to do some of this work. There's no reason we can't, you know, use some of those dollars we used to spend with a third party to give to physicians that we're partnering with to say, here's some some help to make these things work, to give some time to hire somebody in your office that does this um, and and a a variety of other mechanisms to really engage people in compliance. What we're finding is when you do that, the, the person feels, wow, you 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 care about me. How did you even know mm-hmm. that I haven't had my blood work? Mm-hmm. 
right? And so the, the partnership of sharing that kind of information and engaging, you know, what, what I have said to people all along, I will know we've done what I hope we do when the physicians in this community say, I'm really glad you have Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance, right? That to me, that is the end game for us is when more physicians say that than anything else that we've achieved what we want to achieve. And we're, we're committed to making that happen. President of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Georgia, Jeff Usel, is joining us in the studio along with Donald Pomisano, Jr. of the Medical Association of Georgia. And Jeff, when you look at, uh, we talked uh, in the early part about the fact that uh, recent legislation has kind of <laughs> shaken up the landscape a little bit. And when it comes to the patients that we're serving, are there some ideas emerging that, to make it a little easier for them to navigate or interpret, breaking down what they're looking at when they're looking at their plans and things like that. I mean, how do we how do we make those things a little more easy to navigate? I know that insurance companies are putting a lot more interest and in, in attention into their online presence and portals and things like that and sure. giving them access to information. But how do you see being able to maybe I as a consumer can understand more but what I'm what I'm buying and using? Certainly the um through the ACA program and coming out with things like a silver, gold, platinum was the design of that was to make things more comparable. But while there's, there's silver, gold, and platinum, they're not necessarily the same. Lots of things can change with specific coverage, with specific network size. And one of the things we have to do collectively, physicians, hospitals, and, and, and the payers, is be very crystal clear with what the network looks like, who's participating in the networks, um, who is no longer accepting patients in certain networks. And those things change a lot. And in a dynamic healthcare environment where practices are, are being bought and sold, and moved and practicing in different locations, those things are more challenging than they used to be. And so we've got to come up with a better system to make sure people are aware of changes that occur as now, fast as they do. Are there any sorts of resources of information, whether it's online or wherever it may be, that if I'm a patient uh, member of, of an insurance carrier that I can go for information about what is my group today? Because as we talked about, those can change, people can move, things can happen in a fairly short period of time. Are there resources from that perspective that a patient might be able to go and check? There are, absolutely. So there's online tools that, that capture that information. There's also t- telephone lines and all kinds of different resources available to give people the latest information. Um, absolutely. And of course, with the progress of the ACA a few years ago, it was just a handful of providers out there, physicians and practices and even hospitals um, that had electronic medical records. But of course, now that's that's rapidly closing now to where everybody is utilizing electronic medical records. Is that playing a role in maybe making it a little bit more streamlined between when, you know, once I've been seen by my physician, now there's the the business of transacting that care from the reimbursement perspective. Is that simplifying that? Are there some ways that that is becoming a little bit more streamlined between the physician's office and the carrier in this case? Uh, are you seeing that EMRs are talking a little bit better than they used to? You know, I think that's right. I think we're making great strides in EMR investment. Um, we're making strides now in the interoperability or the connectivity of those mm-hmm. EMRs. I think we still have a long way to go. We're, we're not at a point now where everything is flowing and sharing. You know, one of the things that's particularly challenging, right, is to to layer the the desire to share electronic medical information for quality of care, at the same time to manage the privacy of that information. And so it's a it's an interesting dynamic when you say in certain situations I want everything to be known by this person, but in other situations <laughs> I don't want anything to be known by this person. And so we're still working through the maturity of 
of those models, but we are making great strides. When we were talking earlier, you mentioned the fact that obviously a goal of, I think, everybody involved uh, from insurance providers that are paying claims to the physicians themselves and obviously for the patients who are consuming care, trying to reduce cost is a is a key focus for, I think, everybody. You know, as you talked about the fact that middle-class America, for example, the average income is in the mid-50s, I think, for a family. And when they have children and some people in the house, then out-of-pocket expense for those families based on what they're going to spend for their health care in a year can be pretty significant. Are there some ideas emerging? Because I've, I've been in healthcare myself. I come from a nursing background. I was part of a physician practice up until recently. So I've felt all of these struggles from different directions from both the patient as well as physician. And I know when I've been trying to think about how can we reduce costs? I mean, obviously a, fo- a greater focus on wellness. I think that's one of the keys. Sure. How do you help people make money uh, on that side of things? Because right now we're built on, I get paid when I treat you right. and you got to be sick for that. So are, are, what, are, what are some cool ideas, if there are any, that are coming out that we can tackle that problem and, and still make it a good career for somebody who's going to have my life in their hands? I, I want them to be well paid and, and have some of the brightest minds want to be in medicine. At the same time, I don't want to go broke paying for it. So, I mean, right. I, I just know as a provider who's been in healthcare for 25 years, I'm like, I really don't know what the answer is. I think you'll hear, you know, in the industry, there's a lot of talk around things like value-based payment. And, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes those tend to be consulting-like words. And so what I would say is uh, we are working very closely with lots of our provider community, especially in the physician community, to say we, we need to change the model. We, we need to, to reward you for taking care of people, right? Sometimes when they don't really need care, it's being preventative, being proactive, doing the things in advance, making sure people are compliant if they're chronic, making sure when they're in an episodic situation, they're getting the right clinical protocols, that you're aware of the right clinical protocols, that we're sharing across the geographies what's working and what's new. If there's clinical trials being done somewhere in the country, somewhere in the world for that matter, that that information is more readily available for people to have access to. And we're working closely now. We have a program, for example, called Enhanced Personal Health Care. And this is a program where we reach out to physicians, predominantly in primary care, but not exclusively. And we say, these are the members that we believe should be attributed to you. These are the folks in your care and custody. And, you know, this is how we would like this program to work. We would like you to be more proactive in terms of managing the health of the population of this people. And we will provide you data and otherwise to do that, right? Now, we need the quality to be substantially strong, right? Which these providers are generally selected because they have great quality. And then we work with them to say, now, the average cost of this population has historically run at this level. You know, to the extent you can continue to provide great quality and keep their costs below that level, you know, you, you will win in that program. And in fact, in the last several months, and I think even right before the, the holiday season ended, right, I think it was the second round in Georgia of our bonus payments went out and I've received very good feedback from people that, you know, they really appreciate being rewarded for keeping people healthy, right? And historically that hasn't been the case. It was people came to the office when they were sick or not well or chronic and that's how a physician made their money predominantly. And today we're trying to move to the models where they get rewarded for keeping people healthy. And when, for somebody who's listening and we're talking about you know, value-based care and, and measures of quality, for example, what are, are, are there some particular elements of outcomes, whatever the data point may be? What are, what are we using to say this group is, they're high quality, they, they have great outcomes? What are we, what are we looking at? Yeah, I will tell you, that's one of the bigger challenges in the industry is defining what quality is, 
Right. And every I would t- imagine, particularly in primary care, when a lot of it is trying to catch things early, it's not necessarily a lot of treatments per it, se. It, it's very difficult. And so where, where you start is where you can start. You know good clinical protocols. You know people following best practices. You know people that are compliant with their drugs. They're compliant with their follow-up schedules. And so you're really kind of tracking, are people getting mammograms on the right time frame? If you have this condition, are you getting your blood work done every okay. six months? So it's really more process at this point. And it, it's, a, it's much harder to, to say this is quality and this isn't. That's a, that's a learning process, right? And I think everybody's getting better at it with new data now. Now, you were talking about some of the programs within Blue Cross Blue Shield of Georgia. Are there some that you want to talk about, whether they might be beneficial for physicians to know about or providers of, of care or patients, uh, whether it's smoking cessation or any other types of programs that, that would help someone be a better educated consumer or maybe a more compliant patient or whatever the case may be? Yeah, I think first and foremost, the, the enhanced personal health care is, is probably our most substantial uh, movement into population health and to keeping people well. I, I couldn't be more excited about how that program is working. And it also, at a time when primary care physicians in particular are in short supply, right, it, it, it does kind of empower them again to be, you know, a, a, at least a central connection point for that member and being their medical home or however you want to think of that as a, a coordinating point. Um, one of the things that's interesting is as we move into this, they start to look at specialties that they refer to and they start to engage in, well, how are we going to get information back? So after they've been through, you know, the special specialty program that we can continue to, to treat them, know the information, know what your follow-up orders are and those types of things so we can really uh, be a better coordinator of care for that person. That program is working very well. The other area would be um, our program called Live Health Online, which is our version of telemedicine, right? That program en- enables people from their smartphone or from their iPad or from their computer to have a physician visit anytime, anywhere. And so we've reached that program, reached it out. It's, it's, it's growing now. And when we first started it, it was physicians that might be anywhere in the nation, right? Supporting whoever needs care on the, as they dial in. But as we mature this enhanced personal healthcare model, right? The, the vision behind that is that it would now be your practice who would be at the other end of this smartphone or iPad or whatever it might be. So it's somebody that really understands your care has access to your EMR, can quickly, more quickly get to your physician and, and the like. And we, we like that program for the enhanced personal care. We also like it for part of the solution to the rural healthcare problem. Right. Right. And again, it's not um, an end-all be-all. You're never going to use this kind of a solution to replace physicians in the local geographies. But it can be a value-added assistance. And in some of our practices, one of the other uh, wins that comes from this is we're beginning to bring behavioral clinicians into right. the live health online. Mm-hmm. And we're beginning to integrate for our enhanced personal health care physicians the ability to access a behavioral clinician, one, to train them on observe things to observe and to know when to, to coordinate that kind of care, and then to be able to coordinate that kind of care potentially in real time, right, to really be a better kind of solution for the whole person. We've been talking with Jeff Fusel from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Georgia, and you mentioned the telemedicine component of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Georgia. Now on that, is it the physicians and the providers that are participating, are they essentially doctors who are participating in your plans or are they providers that are part of the Blue Cross Blue Shield team? I mean, are, are they actually on staff with you now in, in some capacity to provide that care? Where do they live? No, they, they actually practice the way they've, they've always practiced. They're on their own. They may be affiliated with the hospital. They may be completely okay. independent. 
but um, they may be in one of our networks. They, they, I mean, obviously in our network, but it isn't everybody in the network who's participating in these types of programs. I would say the folks that, that are, one, demonstrating high quality and folks who have demonstrated an interest in working through a population health kind of a model and really taking care of patients in this way. And So it, if I'm a patient and I want to use your telemedicine service, I assume there's an app for it for my mobile device that I can download? There is. There is. You go to type in Anthem and uh, from Live Health Online and, and you'll find the app on the in iTunes and, and, and where you download apps. Some of the providers that I've interviewed over the last year or so around telehealth, I mean, obviously some of them came from the uh, mental health and that type of service. Some of them were in urgent care and pediatric urgent care. What kind of range of concerns might I use the Anthem offering or Blue Cross Blue Shield in this case? It's an Anthem app you mentioned, but are, are there certain things that I would access the, the telehealth service for? particular things? You know, I think in, in all honesty, you can access it for whatever it might be. Now, the, whether it's as efficacious, right, for one type of thing versus another really is, is situational. But I think the, the goal of this is one, it may not be the right care for the person at that time, but at least they're talking to a clinician who can get them informed on what is the right care. Where do they need to go? When do they need to go there? As opposed to waiting for Monday morning for the office to open up or feeling better the next day and not making that phone call now that they can do that. Um, the faster they can get to somebody who can give them good advice, the better. In these interactions with the provider, would it be potentially able to prevent me from having to go be seen in a brick and mortar urgent care or ER department? You know, it, it could have that impact. I don't know that that's the goal of it. It's certainly the goal is to get somebody the best advice you can get them right away. Now, in most states around the country now, you can write scripts. So it might be just what everybody knows you need a, an antibiotic. And so a script can be written and yeah. that's, that's the end of it. Um, I've seen it used particularly effectively to at least decide whether from a dermatology perspective, yeah. you need to get in tomorrow or you can wait a week or, you know, you're fine with, it's just a, it's a bug bite. Right. <laughs> right. And so, you know, different, different uses have different um, efficacies. And I, I hesitate to say, here's what you use it for, because I don't know if I could tell you all the situations where it's right and wrong. What I do know is the faster you can get to a clinician and, and get good information, the better. So it's essentially giving me the ability to, to, to make the call. Should I go in? I'm actually going to talk to somebody that's just not automatically going to say, call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room. I'm going to actually get to say, this is what I'm facing. And, and they can maybe share some advice on either timeliness, as you talk about, or whether I need to Maybe go ahead and I, I think get that's some. right. You know, as, as the father of four young children, I think about my mom <laughs> at nine or my wife at nine o'clock at night that says, I'm, I, I don't know if this, if, right. if you know, Alex should needs we to go, go in today, <laughs> I'm going to use Life Health Online. And if yeah. they say, yeah, 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 she should get in, then we're going to go straight away. And if they say oh, she'll be fine, you know, they'll take that into account when they make the decision as to whether they're going to go in anyway. Mm -hmm. And when we look forward into 2016, and, and we've talked a little bit uh, here and there through our conversation about the Affordable Care Act, what's on the horizon for us this year that, that, that you see coming as it relates to the new legislation and the landscape that we're facing from whether it's providers or patients or your side even? You know, I think, I think we're starting to mature the ACA model, so I'm looking for a little bit more, um, a little less change and a little bit more allowing this program to settle in and, and people to, to really understand how to use it better. Um, we're watching enrollment now. It's growing reasonably well. 
Um, people are getting more comfortable with the program. Um, you know, there has been talks about people getting out of the program. I can assure you that we remain committed to the program. Whatever shape or form that might take, people need good quality care. And that's our job is to make sure that they can afford good quality care. Mm-hmm. And as far as one of the questions I've had, in my opinion, anyway, the, when we look at technology, we talked a little bit about electronic medical records and they can certainly empower a great deal. And it would seem to me that that in the healthcare space, we've lagged behind enterprise in terms of the use of big data, being able to maybe de-identify. It's not C.W. Hall. It's a 48-year-old male that has a family history of sudden cardiac death. And here's his health data and actually be able to pool me with you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of other people that are de-identified, but they are health data points coupled with care being delivered so that we could identify all kinds of trends, whether it's um, fraud. I I would think Mm -hmm. that'd be one thing that would be much, much, much more easy to identify if we start seeing, well, geez, there's a whole flurry of activity around this over here, but the rest of the the ecosystem really isn't showing that. So maybe we better take a look. Uh, How do you see technology come into play in terms of where we're going from where we are today? Yeah, it's um, it, it's a it, it. There's a huge opportunity. It's amazing how much data this industry has at its disposal. It's also amazing at how difficult it is to organize it in a way that people can actually act upon. Yeah, it lives in silos. I don't want right. to give away my goodies. Right. That's right. <laughs> and that's that's really when you say collaboration. That's a big part of the collaboration is getting the data from where it resides, and running it through what people would agree are good logical things to run the data through. And then getting it in the hands of the people who are best in the position to help people act on that data. You know, it's it's not that we're discovering things we didn't know. And in fact, I would tell you, I kind of think of the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, it's things people knew. We just didn't have the right model to make them follow what they knew they needed to do. You mentioned earlier, I know I need to lose weight, right? Well, all the data in the world doesn't change that, right? What the data changes is who's the best person to get that data in front of? to get you to actually act on it. Mm-hmm. And what is the right method for you to act on it? Because you might prefer something that works via your cell phone. Somebody else might prefer something that works via the telephone. And somebody else might need a face-to-face engagement for it to really make them kind of stick to it. And so that's where, to me, the data comes when you learn from a consumer perspective what's going to work for different people and how do you get that those processes built to get them that information quickly. I know we've got Jeff in the middle of his day. Any final thoughts, Donald, before we let him get back to his office? The only thing I want to say is I want to thank Jeff. What we've noticed over the last few years is that Blue Cross has made an effort to uh, work with physicians of Georgia. And I say that because prior to that, we've always had an ebb and flow relationship. I mean, we have a very rich history with Blue Cross going back to multiple lawsuits we filed against them in the past to trying to build upon those relationships um, when the opportunities arose. And so a few years ago, I can say that when uh, I first met... Um, Morgan Kendrick at a, at a hearing for Amerigroup, he came up to me and was asking me about uh, the, the physician's perception of Blue Cross. And I told him at the time that the physicians really didn't hold Blue Cross in high esteem and that, you know, something needed to be done about it. And he said, well, here's my cell phone number. Give me your cell phone number. And I thought it was going to be one of those typical situations where somebody says, okay, yeah, we're going to do something we never hear back from. Well, since then, actually that night, I received a call from, from Morgan on my cell phone and he said, look, Let's set something up and let's really get try to move the needle. And so we, we've gone down that path. Now, we've hit a lot of potholes in the road, 
where, you know, we, we've had some difference of opinion on things. But I can say this is that when our physicians do call and they call to, to MAG and say, hey, I'm having problems with Blue Cross, we know where to get them to and to speak to the right people. And so whether their problem will be solved, that's a different issue. But at the same time, they do have a voice to listen to them, especially on their clinical side with the chief medical officer and also some of the people on the state health benefits side. So, uh, you know, we're, we're cautiously optimistic. We're hoping that that relationship continues to grow, especially with Jeff. And I really appreciated sitting down with Jeff the other day and, and kind of starting that relationship. So we're looking forward to moving, see how this goes into the future. And I, we, I just want to say thank you for being here today. Well, thank you. And I, I really look forward to building off that, that initial work for Morgan. So thank you very much. Appreciate the time today. Well, you know, and, and like I said, at the jump, it's it's one of those, it's just, it's a balancing act that you have. Uh, I'm sure that, that the work you all do is, is tough. You have to save costs. Um, you have to have patients taken care of, and then you have a partnership here um, with uh, the provider side that, that you have to balance all of those. It's a lot of plates to keep spinning. So yeah. I'm pleased to be able to bring you into the studio so that we can have some conversations, and I hope we can do it again to talk more about a variety of subjects around whether it's digging deeper into provider relationships so we can share information that might help smooth those relationships, answer some of those questions, and, and make it a you know a good collaborative partnership for all. So I'm really happy that you, you took some time to share this information today for sure. Well, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. If you want more information, you can go to bcbsga.com. And I want to say thanks so much to Jeff Fusel for for making time to join us here in the studio. If you're if you're coming back and you're checking us out on the podcast, if you've not done so already, if you look in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, you'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you to the Top Docs Radio Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us so that the new episode each week will be downloaded straight to your device for you to listen to on your way to work or walking the dog, whatever the case may be. To the folks over at the Medical Association of Georgia, I want to say thanks so much for uh, introducing us to yet another great guest and some great content for our folks to consume. So I appreciate having you all here. I look forward to having you back in a couple of weeks. Well, thank you so much. And everybody out there who made us a part of your day today, I really want to say thanks so much. Your, your time is important to us. We'll see you all same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. 